0: Good morning. What a joy it is to see all of your bright faces on this wet and dreary Sunday morning. So thank you for braving the elements to get here. It is a joy to see each of you. I drove the church bus into the parking lot on late Friday evening after having spent six days up at beautiful Lake Junaluska with 13 members of the Prime Timers. Now, the primetimers are a fun and fabulous group of folk who happen to be gifted with the joy of living into older age. We attended the Festival of Wisdom and Grace. Isn't that the best title? Festival of Wisdom and Grace. This is an annual event that is put on by the Association of Older Adults for the purpose to create and strengthen intergenerational ministries in local churches. Our particular group spanned a 40-year age span, and so for me personally, it was just a joy to receive from this group of folks, as well as an awesome reminder of how much we need each other in the church and in the world. For the elderly, show us how to make community together and to be more fully human together. As we share life together, we receive their wisdom, their experiences, and their affection. So on retreats such as this one, our lives can be transformed by the renewing of our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. As we continue to seek God and serve God at every age and stage of life. Now, unlike other conferences, this particular conference invited you, every participant, each day to spend 15 minutes sitting in a rocking chair, in one of the 100 rocking chairs that are found all around Lake Junaluska, and take that time to drink in the beauty of the place. Indeed, it was spectacular. The flowers were amazing. They were at their prime So some of us walked around the lake each day, taking in the beauty of the place. Or we went to the chapel services and enjoyed the glorious gardens there and the prayer labyrinth that was there. We also rode on top of the lake on a boat ride, an evening sunset cruise, taking in the beauty from a different vantage point and laughing, laughing with our members as well. In our particular house, the house that we rented, we ate very well for we had some exceptional cooks and the summer vegetables were at their prime. And we told stories and we laughed. We laughed until it hurt. We laughed until tears came. And most of the time we were laughing with each other, only a few times at each other. Each day we attended provocative sermons and lectures and went to interesting and challenging workshops. And one day, one member of our group came in for the lunch break after a workshop and asked, are we an affirming church? And after much discussion, we decided that we at Hyde Park are a very welcoming and hospitable church, but maybe we need to do a little more affirming. And so the rest of the week, we had this saying, affirm, affirm. And then it went to awesome. You are so awesome. Thank you so much, ushers, for delivering these bulletins so faithfully. Tech team, you're amazing. Don't ever forget it because you allow us to hear and to see the words on the screen. Thank you so much for visiting people in the hospital. And thank you so much for taking attendance in your Sunday school class. You are awesome. Each one of you are awesome. So if today, in fact, even in that rainstorm between services, a man said, Sally, he put down his umbrella. He raised his arm and said, awesome. It's the new symbol for Hyde Park. I said, I love it. So if you receive a gesture of awesomeness, I hope you will just receive it and remember that you are awesome and you are so incredibly loved. And it was for you that Christ died and loves you that much. So receive it. Besides celebrating that way, we celebrated in one particular way as we shared in the birthday celebrations, the 97th birthday celebration of Marcella Holt. You can see her here having just enjoyed Barbecue, North Carolina barbecue, and we all wore funny, funky hats, and the restaurant gave us one piece of cornbread, which we put one candle on, and that's what we sang to her. What a privilege it was to share together this week. It deepened our friendships as family. And just like any family, occasionally we may have gotten a little frustrated with one another, especially if someone took all the hot water in the shower or couldn't find their cell phone or glasses just another time. Or maybe they just woke up with a bad attitude that morning, but we didn't give up on each other. No, you don't do that with family. You don't give up just because they disappoint us sometimes. Rather, we were encouraged by each other's presence and realized that as we rubbed elbows together and shared life together, trying to live harmoniously, that we, in our own way, had created family. Created family by being honest with each other and often asking for what we needed from the others. For many of us, we shared a bedroom and Okay, most of us shared a bed with another person, and you you got to know that person's habits very well, and we were fairly open with one another. In fact, it reminded me of a story that I heard from World War II, because as you walked around the lake, you might have heard other stories people were sharing about that time frame of World War II, and this was when the height of the war, when. Prime Minister Winston Churchill needed to speak of some grave issues with the President Franklin Roosevelt. He would come and address Congress. But the Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, had a particular unusual habit of practicing his speeches in front of the mirror, naked, And one day, President Roosevelt came wheeling around the corner of the guest suite at the White House and saw Prime Minister Churchill preaching, proclaiming to the mirror without a stitch of clothing on. And he said, I am so sorry. Please forgive me, Mr. Churchill. And with that, he turned right to President Roosevelt and said, oh, please, no apology is necessary the Prime Minister of England has nothing to hide from the President of the United States. Now, perhaps Churchill knew that at the end of the day, all the trappings of the outside, that stuff that he dressed himself in, meant very little as compared to what is on the inside. In a small way, that is how we felt with our created family for the week Oh, yes, we recognize that it was just one week of living communally like this, this concentrated living, but the way we live together reminded me and all of us that living in community involves hard work, honest communication, a lot of give and take, a bunch of forgiveness, and a boatload of love. We recognize in our communal living that it had some roots in our scripture text today, which brings me to this new sermon series, Life With. How is God calling us to be together, to be family together? For indeed, no one is an island. We are all individuals who make up a community, and we're called to do something more, something deeper, something real. I don't believe that it's possible to be an individual Christian because by its very nature, a Christian is one who participates in the community of faith, the family of faith, and together is seeking and serving God and God's will. We need each other. I need you in my life, and I dare say that you need the church family in yours. We need each other for it's these relationships that keep us going when we are ready to throw in the towel and give up on life, give up on family. So over these next few weeks, we will be reflecting on life with, life with family, life with the next generation, children and youth, life with our church family, life with the community beyond these doors. Yes, indeed, the Portico campus all around Tampa, but even beyond that, and finally, life with God. And I hope you will come each week, because I know, I truly believe, that we are better, stronger, and more whole together than we are apart. So as we started talking about this sermon series, we began to realize that if there was any recurring theme about families in the Bible, it is that there is no such thing as a normal or healthy family in the Bible. I mean, we tried to come up with a perfect example of family. Think about it. Each biblical family has its own unique set of dysfunctions and unhealthy people, which ought to give all the rest of us encouragement when we think about our own weird and wild family dynamics. True, even though seemingly perfect families have stuff going on that they try to hide or ignore or justify, which is why we need each other, for we are all so frail and so very human. I know that there were a few family members on my side that I didn't really want Clark to meet until after we were married. (laughs) And I might add... There were a few unique birds on his family tree as well. So whatever your situation, you should feel right at home in church where we are all human and all so very loved by God. So, I've been thinking about families, and let's be honest, families in the Bible, you just name a few. Let's start with Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother Abel, and just like the early chapters of Genesis, leaving the parents, Adam and Eve, perplexed and heartbroken. And just a few chapters later, Jacob stole his birthright from his older brother Esau, and their mother helped hatch the plan. Huh. And not too long after that, Joseph's brothers sell. Their brother, first try to, try to kill him and then they sell him into slavery. And even Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they begin their little family Yonah under uh, the eye of suspicion. Families are complicated and complex. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. Families are complicated and complex. And I know, I've heard a lot of your stories, and I've lived my own story. And knowing that this was the case for all families, when Clark and I decided to get married, we had olive branches engraved on our wedding bands so that when we would fight, that we knew we probably would, we could just raise the finger. I mean, raise the... (laughs) wave the finger with the olive branch on it and say peace I am so sorry peace I messed up will you forgive me peace you messed up can we talk jokingly for years we have said to one another we will not go to bed angry we will stay up and fight So later, as children began to arrive, we tried not to hide our frustrations all the time. I mean, sometimes we did. But we tried to be honest and open that life is tough and we don't always agree. In fact, we disagree and words can be shared that are in a harshish tone and we still love each other afterwards. And We also tried to model that sometimes you might need to talk to a third party, a counselor, to make that way towards forgiveness and reconciliation. And like any other family, our kids argued with us and with each other. In fact, I vividly remember one night when Ben and Zach, that some of you know, Opal and Larry are friends from a long time ago. They knew them when they were born from Miami. They were called search and destroy then. Um, (laughs) We're glad y'all are here. Uh, Ben and Zach were arguing with the height of rage and we just pushed them out on the front doorstep and locked the door and told them they couldn't come in for dinner till they figured it out. Well, fortunately, they resolved their conflict before the neighbors called the Child Protective Services. (laughs) But family, however you define it, for indeed, for many of us, our friends become our chosen family. Families call us to be real and to look at ourselves as we really are. Families are usually the most intimate relationships we have, and they invite us to look truthfully at ourselves. In our text from Colossians, Paul offers the early church some words of encouragement about how to live together as family. And he uses the language of clothing. He says to clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, forgiveness, gentleness, and patience. Clothing, more so today even than during Paul's day, probably was a statement about who we are because there are so many options for us to choose from today. But clothing helps us define ourselves as individuals, when we go to the closet in the morning and pull out what we are going to wear, in a way, it is answering the question, what statement do I want to make about myself today? Am I feeling conservative? Am I feeling flamboyant? Whatever it is, what what label do you want to wear? What t-shirt do you want to support today? The way we dress is more than purely functional. What we wear, it's more than those slogans on our t-shirts because it really it's about who we are as family, family of God. The way we dress sends a message about what's going on inside of us. And Paul understands those fashion statements. And that's why I talked in terms of putting on spiritual clothing. Clothe yourself with compassion. Wear forgiveness on your sleeves. And over everything, put on love, which is that thread that fab- fashions all those other fabrics together And if you look at the larger text, we find in today's passage, you will note that Paul is calling for a complete fashion makeover. You are a new creation, and you are called to a new way of life. You see, what is on the outside is simply a reflection of what's in our hearts. If our hearts have been changed with Christ, then our lives will be changed as well. Now, I must confess, I wasn't too excited when McGray suggested this particular text for us to preach on because if you read the very next section it's that part about wives submit to your husbands children obey your parents in everything slaves obey your earthly masters But I did some research on this, and I realized that that it is part of a larger household code. And Paul is speaking within a set of relationships in the ancient world where the patriarchal system is flourishing. And he is adding to or expanding on the theme of how families should operate. He's speaking within this given system of his day and adding that the church... God's ideal family, God's ideal society, is how it's supposed to operate. So in contrast to this ancient thinking, Paul addresses the weaker members of each pair, the wife, the child, the slave, and he offers them words of dignity. And he gives each of them an important role to play. No one is to be controlled or manipulated. Wives submit But husbands, love your wives. Parents, treat your kids with dignity and respect and do not provoke them. And masters and slaves, both, are responsible to the Lord Jesus. So Paul's words may not have overthrown this patriarchal, ancient societal structure, but he does call us to treat others with dignity. So how do we do this? We clothe ourselves with compassion remembering that it is a tough world out there and we could all use a little compassion. Clothe ourselves with kindness. For everyone who's been alive just a very short time has to face some difficult battles in this life, difficult challenges. We need kindness. Clothe yourselves with humility, recognizing that I don't want to break it to you, but you don't have all the answers. And there is more to learn in this life. I don't have all the answers. I have so much more to learn. And finally, Paul says to clothe yourselves with love. There's probably nothing more profound or important in life than to bear one another in love and to give thanks to God For friends and family members who walk this journey with us and who make it more fun, more meaningful, more whole. They walk with us and stay with us. They challenge us and encourage us. And friends, we are family together. When our kids were young and we were living in Miami, one time we took a train trip from Miami, Florida, all the way to New York City and back. That was a long trip. <clears throat> Everyone, was, the kids were eight and under. And we had so much luggage with us. I remember when we arrived at Penn Station, a man looked at us and said, hmm, either you are moving here or you're on vacation. <laughs> we were on vacation. Well, on this trip, we started to read a new and wildly popular novel that had just come out. The The first of the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And the reading of uh, that Harry Potter has become an important family tradition for we read all seven books aloud around the dinner table at night, letting everyone read a bit, not getting too upset with each other, except when Abby would read ahead and then act so smug because she knew all the answers the next night. But perhaps the most touching part of the story is in Hogwarts, in that school of wizardry for the—they could get the best education possible. It's a story of Harry Potter, who is the top of his class, but he's also an orphan, and he has had a painful and lonely upbringing after his parents had died. So at one point in the book, Harry is wondering who he is and who will he become— and in the dusty recesses of Hogwarts he stumbles upon the mirror of Erised or the mirror of desire. It's a magic mirror that reflects back to the person standing in front of it the deepest desires of their heart. And when Harry stands before that mirror, he sees himself in his academic gown on graduation day and his mother is on his right and his father is on his left. It is the deepest desire of his heart to be with his family. He feels the touch of his mother on his right shoulder, but he looks and she's not there. He feels the touch of his father, and he's not there. They are gone. And then the wise wizard Dumbledore comes in and sees Harry in front of the mirror, and he says, Only when you look at this mirror, one can see oneself as one actually is. Only then can one be truly counted as happy. Friends, family members, I would like to ask you to take some time this week to take a moment and reflect on who you are, where you have been, and where you hope to go Stand in front of the mirror and take off all of your pretenses. And if you prefer the Churchill method, you can do that as well. But stand there and first remind yourself that the scripture says that you are holy and dearly loved. Do you hear that? You are holy and dearly loved. You are made in the very image of God and you are so loved that he gave his life for you. First, remind yourself of that, and then ask yourself what you see. What does your family see when they look at you? What does the world see? What does God see? With a song in your heart and gratitude to God, ask yourself how you can more fully clothe yourself with compassion, how you can bear with one another and offer forgiveness. And above all, Clothe yourself in love. So what sort of clothes will you put on next? As we move now into a time of Holy Communion, I want to share with you one quote from our speaker of the week, the Reverend Dr. Tony Campolo. He said, Your past is important, but it is not nearly as important to your present as the way you see your future how do you see your future friends you can be a better family member you can clothe yourself with love you can acknowledge that you are and others are awesome so very awesome and precious for christ loves you you and your family So take and eat this meal. It's for you. Let us pray. Oh, gracious and loving God, we do thank you that you are an awesome God and you call us to be awesome family members together with one another. Help us to be serious about what we wear clothing ourselves with compassion and forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, and all other good gifts of your Spirit. Most of all, let us clothe ourselves with your love so that it would radiate from us and people would know you more because they have been in our presence. Guide us in this way, we pray. Amen.